Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Be changed. Be available. Be ready for what God will do. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Well, welcome to the Vineyard. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us, whether you're here in Urbana or you're joining us down in Sullivan or on Vineyard Live. It's great to be together. Well, during the month of December, we've been in our message series, The Invitation, Saying Yes to the Holy Spirit, where we've been looking at the power of partnering with the Spirit. And we've been looking at the biblical story of Christmas, looking at the people who were involved in that story, and at the invitations that God had extended to them and how they said yes to partnering with the Spirit, even though they had real temptation to say no. And we've learned that Jesus was the very first one to say yes to us. And then he extends an invitation to us to say yes to the dance of partnership. And then we learned about the story of Joseph and the invitation to peace that Joseph's story teaches us, that God often gives us the what, but not the why. And then last week, we were encouraged with Simeon and Anna's story, which is an invitation to joy through trust and through expectancy. And today, I'm going to wrap up our series as we look at the person of Mary, and we look at the invitation that the Holy Spirit had extended to her. It's an invitation to love. And so I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you here to be in our midst, to give us ears to hear to have open hearts. And so we say, come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in November 2018, a small group of pastors from our team here decided to take a few days away together at a resort in Mexico. And Mike and I had actually never done a larger friend group um, vacation before, and we were pleasantly surprised. We had so much fun, lots of memories and lots of laughs. And this was really a great time for us because unbeknownst to our good friends, unbeknownst to the public, Mike and I had been named the future senior pastors and we were getting ready to roll out that final step of transition. And so it was really good to get away and to relax and to laugh. Well, we came home and a few weeks later it was Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, we got a call from a friend of ours, Chad Norris, a pastor from North Carolina. And he asked if he could come and pray and bless our executive team as we were going through these final stages of transition. And so we said, of course, come. And he spent a couple days with us praying over us and prophesying over us. And at one point he asked if he could lay hands on Mike and I. Well, of course, we said, you know, we'd love prayer. And so he laid hands and as he began to pray, he said to me, now I know... No, I'm never supposed to ask a woman this. That should have been his clue to not keep going. (laughs) But he said, are you pregnant? (laughs) No, I was not. And I was looking pretty good if I said so myself after five and a half years of not having a baby. Next question. And he said to me, oh, are you going to adopt? And I said, no. Well, I think adoption is wonderful. That's not something that Mike and I have felt called to. And then I was like, well, am I supposed to have another baby? And he's like, oh, oh no, sometimes I get it wrong. And I was like, oh, oh, I know what's happening. I am spiritually pregnant. Yep, I'm spiritually pregnant with this new role. And in the new year, I'm going to give birth prophetically. (laughs) That's what this is all about. And so he said, well, there's something kind of weird with your hormones. I'm going to pray for you, but... 
And I said, oh, okay, fine. He prays for me, and, you know, the rest of our time together is wonderful. Well, a few days later, I'm actually preparing to preach a message here on the weekend, and I look at my calendar, and I see that my cycle's due. And so I was like, okay, kind of mental note. And I preach that weekend. Mike goes out of town. I'm solo parenting for a few days. And I'm noticing, like, my cycle isn't showing up. And I even joke with Mike. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no worries, though. You know, things like this happen when you get older. And... Uh, the days go on, and when, when my cycle's over a week late, I wake up with the strongest urge to take a pregnancy test to just confirm that I'm not pregnant. And so I take the test, and, and I look down to confirm that I am not pregnant, and I see two lines staring back at me. Now, if you've never taken a pregnancy test, two lines mean that you're pregnant. So immediately I think to myself, this test is, is wrong. And so I go to the store, and I buy three more tests. <laughs> and all of those tests tell me that I am pregnant. And to say I am shocked is an understatement. I remember looking into the mirror and then looking back at the test and, and thinking, this, this, is, this is not possible. How is this possible? And, and I begin to count in Mexico. <laughs> so much for what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. I was so surprised. And I remember just my brain going into overdrive, like, wait, wait, what? How is this possible? And then something happened to me that's never happened to me before with my other pregnancies. I was gripped with fear. Fear of having my life turned upside down. Fear of failure. Fear of losing my body. Fear of a difficult labor and delivery. Fear that I had ruined our lives. You see, I had actually struggled with infertility, and I'd always had empathy for women who had struggled to conceive. But now I am face to face with an unplanned pregnancy, and suddenly I understand the fear that many women face when they unexpectedly find themselves pregnant. I'm going to be honest. I was shaken to my core, and I cried, and I cried, and I threw up, and I cried some more that first month because I immediately became extremely sick, and I could pretty much only eat like a five-year-old, grilled cheese and chicken fingers. Gone was my beloved coffee. Chocolate made my stomach churn. I was worried. I was fearful what you would think of me. Didn't God know I was already gaining a baby in 2019, the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois? Truthfully, I'd often judged people who got accidentally pregnant. Now, how does that happen? And here I was in the very same situation that I had judged. I also worried. I, I, was, I, I was afraid that the baby could feel my fear and then not develop properly. I mean, the fear was all consuming. What was God asking me to? What was God inviting me into? Well, throughout this series, we've been talking about different things that keep us from saying yes to the partnership of the Holy Spirit. And today I want to explore one of the biggest hurdles that I believe we face when saying yes, and it's the obstacle of fear. Have you ever been paralyzed with fear at what you believe the Father is inviting you into? Maybe he's inviting you to take a new job, but you're afraid that you're going to fail. Maybe he's inviting you to get out of debt, but you feel fear over what that means for your new lifestyle. Maybe he's giving you creative ideas how to reach your neighborhood, but you're afraid that no one will come and you won't have an impact. This is what I think is so interesting about fear. Fear can actually affect the big things in our life, our destiny, our purpose, the expectations we have on our life, but it can also affect the day-to-day. -day. 
We can be locked into fear over, well, I don't want to pray for someone. They'll think I'm crazy. Well, I, I don't want to pay for that at the grocery store, like paying it forward, because they'll be offended. See, fear, it, it, it actually fleshes out in all of these different ways, both in big scenarios and in little scenarios. Fear is a governing and powerful force in many of our lives, and for often it's linked to the unknown. We find ourselves asking, God, what sacrifice are you asking of me? What are you asking me to do? And what's bad is that this fear, it can delay our yes, or even worse, it can cripple our yes. Well, as you can imagine, I feel a real kinship with the person of the Christmas story that I'm going to share about today, Mary, who herself found herself in an unexpected pregnancy situation. And what we'll see today is that the Holy Spirit was actually inviting her. He was giving her an invitation to his love. Now, she was going to have to battle some fear, some very real fear, and she she did, and, and we're going to look at her story today to see how that plays out. I want you to ask yourself right now, what are you fearing that the Father is asking you to step into? God's perfect love actually dissolves the fear in our heart. Mary's yes enabled God's love to come here, and God's love is the antidote to fear. But to better understand Mary, I think we have to understand the context of her story. And so let's start there. When we first meet Mary, it's in the Gospels. And what's kind of happening in the culture around her is that Often, for thousands of years, actually, the Jewish people were often under the rule and reign of foreign countries. And so at the time of Jesus' birth, the Jewish people are under the rule and reign of the Roman Empire. And it is a terrible time for Jews. There's much hatred of the Roman government because there's oppression and there's heavy taxation. But the Jewish people had a sliver of hope. Their scriptures told of a Messiah, a Messiah that would come and set the people free free from all oppression. And so Mary and other Jews of the time would have actually thought that this would be a man who would come and actually become king to overthrow um, these governments. Well, Mary is thought to have just been a teenager. You may have heard that before, somewhere between the ages of 13 and 16. And she would have been an active uh, part of her family. She would have been responsible for growing simple crops. She would have helped with um, childcare, the other children in the home. She would, have, she would have helped with chores and such. In other words, she was not on her phone all day long snapping and figuring out TikTok, which I still don't understand. So if someone can explain it to me, that'd be great. She is this active part of her family. And the Bible tells us that she's engaged to a man named Joseph, who's a local carpenter. And probably their plan for their life was to have a successful business, have a house full of kids. But that was not exactly God's plan. So we meet Mary in the Gospels when the angel Gabriel appears to her with an invitation that will change the trajectory of her life and history. So you can turn with me now to Luke 1. That's where I'm going to hang out here for a little, a little bit. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpack these verses as I read them and stop and reflect on what her, sh- her story uh, shows us about saying yes to what the Father's doing in spite of fear. Okay, so picking up in verse 28, this is what it says. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. So this young teenage girl doing her everyday work-a-day life suddenly 
an angel appears before her. Now, I don't know about you, but an angel has never appeared before me, and I imagine it can be quite a frightening experience. And in this moment, Mary, I assume she's like, are you talking to me? Like me? And then when it's like, yeah, I'm talking to you, suddenly fear and confusion are filling her like, whoa, uh, what's going on here? And Gabriel, sensing that her fear rise up, he actually reaches out to her and says, hey, don't let fear take control of you right now. I actually bring you good news. And I believe that this is actually a word for some of us today. That what can happen is at the very beginning of an invitation from the Holy Spirit, when we let emotions dictate the situation, then we often miss out on even hearing what God's actually inviting us to. Emotions are good, but we don't want them to rule our lives. Okay, I'm going to keep reading on. This is what Gabriel goes on to tell her. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, this would have been a lot of information to take in. Gabriel is telling her, you have been chosen by God. You are going to actually carry, give birth, and become the mother of God's son. You need to name him Jesus. He's going to actually be the king that always rules. Now, Mary would not have understood all that Gabriel was telling her here, but she would have known that this was a power encounter. She would have known that this was an invitation to the story of redemption, that God was going to free her beloved nation of Israel. And so I I just, again, I try to put myself into Mary's shoes. Here she is, a young teenage girl. She's invited into an incredible, frankly, an impossible story, which leads to Mary clarifying. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. You know what I love about this part of the story? It shows us that it's okay to ask God questions when we feel afraid of the invitation he's extending to us. It's okay to say to God, God, help me understand. God, what are you doing here? Help me understand. I love how how Mary models that for us. And so Mary says to Gabriel, you know, this is impossible. How can this be? Because I've never been with a man. Now that was not my question when I found out that I was pregnant. However, Mike was out of town, and so I had to call him to tell him that I was pregnant because I wasn't going to wait till he got home. And so I'm on the phone with him, and as you can imagine, I am freaking out just a little bit. And I blurt out, how did this happen? And he says to me, I kid you not, without skipping a beat, well, honey, when two people love each other. <laughs> and I said to him, you better stop right now. I did not have an angel to explain this invitation to me, but Mary did. And Gabriel says to her, the Holy Spirit is going to come and impregnate you. Now, this was actually a physical baby that she was being impregnated with. But this is a word to us. When the Holy Spirit asks us something that feels scary, that feels hard, what he does is he impregnates us with God's plan. And here's the thing that we get to do. We get to either receive it or we get to reject it. You see, it's actually the Holy Spirit at work within you that's allowing you to partner with him in the first place. He both asks you and then he empowers you. Awesome. 
His name is Helper. And so he's actually going to impregnate you with the power and the plan that God has, especially when it comes to these scary things, these things that evoke fear. Knowing that this invitation came with a sacrifice, Mary, for Mary, Gabriel went on to encourage her with um, the other ways that the Father had been working in this story. So I'm going to pick up now in verse 36. It says, What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. You see, what happens is when, when God invites us into something that feels scary, do you want to know what his fa- one of his favorite things to do is? To confirm his power through someone else's life as a signpost to us. This is why it's so important that we do life in community. This is why it's so important for family and for small group and for church because actually someone else's breakthrough, someone else's miracle is a sign to you that your father is working. And so I believe this week as we're with family and we're with friends that what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to come over some of us and we're going to be able to speak out words of encouragement, words of faith about how God's moving in our life and that's actually going to encourage and embolden the men and women that are in our lives. You see, this news for for Mary would have been totally faith-building. Theologians believe that Elizabeth was between the ages of 60 and 70 when she conceived. This was impossible. And so I imagine that when Mary hears this, she thinks, well, that was impossible, and this is impossible, but if that's possible, then this is possible. And she felt the faith rise up in her. You see, this is what the Father loves to do. He loves to confirm that he's moving. So a year ago... Like Mary, I needed some confirmation that God was in this. Again, remember, I am fearful. I'm, I'm seriously afraid that I have ruined my life. And, and so I decided to reach back out to that pastor, Chad, who had prophesied. And I call him and I say to him, unbelievably, I am pregnant. What did you see? And he said to me, well, I saw a picture of you on a stage holding a baby. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that you were going to have a baby. And as he spoke that over me and began to prophesy about me and the baby, I just began to weep as I felt the presence of God settle on me. Was I overwhelmed? Yes. Was I bewildered? Yes. But do you know what happened in that moment? The fear that had been just growing began to be pushed down as I felt the love of the Father, a Father who knows me, a Father who has a good plan for me, a Father who is in control. And what I, what I realized in that moment was, okay, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, this is the power of the confirming word in our lives. Chad had no idea that he was going to play such a major role in my life and in my faith journey. The power of the confirming word of God is this. It moves us from fear to faith. And we're empowered to say yes. So Mary, she's heard the invitation, she's asked the question, she's encouraged by the news of her cousin, and now we get to hear her response. So in verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. This is Mary's response. We can receive or we can reject the plan that the Father's inviting us to. I think it's so easy to read these 10 verses and think, oh yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, she said yes. She had a choice. And I think 
you know, I, I like to think about the, the, the struggles she must have gone through, the confusion. Like, what, God, what are you doing here? Why are you doing it? But instead of staying stuck in those places, she says yes. She says yes to the plan. And don't get me wrong. She understood the ramifications of saying yes to this plan. It would forever mean that she'd be labeled an adulteress. Forever, her child would be seen as illegitimate. A few weeks ago when Putty preached, she talked about Deuteronomy and, and the laws. Her very safety, she could have been stoned to death. This was not just, well, I guess God says it, so I do it. No, this is real fear that she faced, and yet she said yes to the Holy Spirit. A teenager changing the world with Jesus by saying yes to the plan. If you are a teen, do not think you have to wait to partner with the Holy Spirit. You do not have to wait. There is no junior Holy Spirit. There is no junior kingdom of God. I like to say it this way. God loves to partner with babies to 100-year-olds and beyond because that's who he is. That's who he is. Mary would have to have overcome the fear, but her yes enabled love to come. Her yes made it possible for the kingdom of God to come and for us now to be able to partner with God himself. I want to spend the last part of this message unpacking fear a little bit more. And talking about how this issue of fear really does stop us from being able to partner and then what God's plan is to empower us to overcome this fear. You know, like I said earlier, fear, it can stop us from partnering in the big ways and in the little ways. Because fear is powerful. And fear often actually physically manifests, doesn't it? Sweaty hands, churning stomach, heart beating fast, insomnia, anxious thoughts. Fear is real and fear is powerful. And I don't know about you, but I am tired of managing the fear in my life. I am tired of trying to, you know, with tactics and techniques, like, okay, yeah, I've got my fear under control. No, I don't actually believe that's the way the Father wants us to live. I actually believe there's a better way to freedom. Are you tired of managing fear in your life? Are you try tired of trying to psych yourself up or talk yourself into something? Because here's the truth. The Father has actually given us something that is so powerful that can destroy the fear in our lives. And you know what it is? His love. I know, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? You thought it was going to be this big, like, equation, but it's not. It's His love. Because here's what happens. When we experience and we allow His love to come, it changes us. When we experience his love, when we embrace his love, it emboldens us, it empowers us, it changes us. But it's a lot about us receiving. Now, this week, we're going to exchange gifts, and a lot of you like to give gifts, don't you? Oh, it's so fun to give gifts. But a lot of us have a problem receiving. We have a problem receiving, and, and we have a problem embracing the love of the Father. Some of this is because we actually just were never trained how to receive love. And there's been a lot of damage done to us over the years when it comes to knowing how to receive love. Receive love from one another, but also just receive love from God. You know, whether it's like the love languages, we each feel loved in different ways, which I love it. God made the love languages, so however you feel loved, he's going to be able to love you perfectly. Or it's the fact that so many of our relationships are based on conditional love. I just want you to think about this for a minute. 
all the relationships in your lives that are, are based on conditional love. And so this makes it really hard for us to be able to receive the love of God because we think that it's based on what we do. So we're in this invitation series and it's like, say yes to the invitation. So we think, well, if I say yes, God's gonna love me more. If I do what he wants me to do, God's gonna love me more. And we, we, we begin to think of our relationship with God as this equation. I'm gonna say something right now that is the truth. God can't love you any less. God also can't love you anymore. God is love. And he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because that's who he is. And what we need is we need a revelation of how to receive this love so that we can overcome the fear. So we can stop fighting the fear with human tactics. Because actually that's not how it was ever designed to be. I want you to turn right now to 1 first, first John uh, verse. 1 John 4, verse 9. And I want to read about God's love. This is God's love. And this is the love that actually casts out fear. Verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You see, God showed us how much he loved us by sending Jesus through Mary's yes. And now we get to live in Jesus. Now, love in the English language is, it's a word that we use for a lot of different things, but the, the type of love that John is talking about here is agape love. And agape love, it's committed love. It's deep love. It's unconditional love. It's a verb. This love has action. And this is the type of love that the Father loves us with. It's not based upon what we do. No, it's actually based upon what he did. And it's first because he went first. So actually his love becomes this gateway for us to be able to love him back. Again, it's almost the same way that the Holy Spirit both invites us and then empowers us. God's love is the same way. He loves us and then he empowers us to love him back. And this is how we have freedom from Fear. Don't let religion complicate God's love for you. We don't gain God's love through our actions. We gain it because he first gave it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about sacrifice here because another uh, way that we can describe agape love is selfless sacrifice, where you lay down your life for one another. Because you see, not only does God's love go first, but God's love shows us that there's sacrifice. Because here's the deal. I think for many of us, the fear that holds us back from partnering with the Holy Spirit is that we're scared of the sacrifice God's inviting us to. And guess what? There is sacrifice. A year ago, when I was just newly pregnant, I was thinking about myself. What is this going to mean for me, God? What am I going to have to sacrifice? How am I going to do this? But you see, God actually already knows that's where our brain's going to go. And so he actually shows us that he sacrificed for us. And that's going to empower us to say yes to the sacrifices that he's going to ask of us. You know, I like to think of it this way. Did Jesus have to sacrifice? Yes, but look at the fruit. Did Mary have to sacrifice? Yes, but look at the fruit. Could we believe in the goodness of God, the goodness of his plan, the goodness of his love, so that when he asks us to sacrifice we can actually trust that it's God's good plan in our lives. That's what I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us with as we, we look and, and wrestle with this whole issue of sacrifice when it comes to the invitations that God's inviting us to. So here's my encouragement to us today. Make time 
Give space this week to be able to embrace and experience God's love. Now, I know for some of us, this is really hard because we're not really sure how to do that. For me, sometimes it's through worship. Sometimes it's through journaling. Sometimes it's through going on a walk. Did you know that God loves the things that you love? What if you invited him into some of the things that you love? Playing an instrument, painting, baking cookies, wrapping presents, being with family. What if you invited him into those spaces this week and you just said, God, I want to experience your love this week because I know that your love actually is going to cast out the fear that I'm feeling. And so this week, I just want you to take note of what Holy Spirit it is saying in terms of God's love in your life. He wants to meet you. And I believe that if, if you actually just say, Father, I want to experience your love, he's going to show you this week. Well, what I didn't realize a year ago that God was inviting me into, he was inviting me into love. You see, what happens when, when you have a baby is that they teach you so much. Each of my children has honestly taught me different things. But what Molly has taught me is about love. And on August 8th, we welcomed Molly Mae, and she was what I didn't know I needed. Because you see what can happen when we get a promotion, when your plan goes a little different, is that we can start feeling like we have to perform, that I better do it and I better not fail. But what Molly has been teaching me is all about God's love, God's love for me, how God sees me, how God views me. You know, when I walk into a room and Molly sees me, her entire face lights up. I bring her so much joy, and I'm reminded that when I walk into the presence of my father, my face should light up too as I experience joy in his presence. You know, I, I feed Molly day and night and night and night. Just the same way my heavenly father wants to feed me. My body is per perfectly designed to feed her, to nourish her. The same way that my heavenly father is perfectly designed to feed and to nourish me. You know, it, it, it's just astounding how much delight she brings me. And I'm reminded, this is how my heavenly father delights in me. There's so much joy in protecting her. The thought of watching her grow up, it just, it brings me so much hope. And I think to myself, you know, I'm just a mother taking after my father. Every idea I have about parenting, every maternal instinct, it actually comes from above. This is how my father feels about me, and I allow the love of the father to wash over me. You know, she doesn't do much. She coos, she poops, she eats a ton, and yet I love her so much. This is us about us being, not doing there is an invitation to partnership, but before partnership, there's just an invitation to love. Do you want to experience the love of the Father? Because he wants to dump it out on you. He has so many good things for you. The call on this house is to change the world with Jesus, but we can't change anything if we don't have the love of Jesus. That's what we have to give away. And so I want to do something kind of different at the end of our service right now. I actually am going to play us an audio clip of a love letter from a man named Graham Cook. He's a prolific author and speaker. And 
he has this revelation of God's love. He wrote this and he preaches it out over people. And what we're going to do to start worship is we're actually going to stand up. And so you can stand up here and at Sullivan. And you're just going to stand. And if you can be in a posture to receive. You can put your hands out. You can put your hands on your heart. But this is how God sees you. This is how much God loves you. And I want you to just allow this truth to wash over you today as we enter into worship. And so you can play the video. The Lord says that there is nothing that you can do that would make him love you more. There is also nothing you can do that would make him love you less. He loves you because he loves you, 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 because he loves you. Because that is what he is like. It is his nature to love. And you will always be the beloved. And his love is unchanging. And he loves you 100%. He won't love you any better when you become better. He loves you 100% right now. And even if you have no plans to become better, he will still love you 100%. Because he loves you, because that's the way that he is. And even if you don't want to change, he will love you 100%. Even if you have no plans to walk with him, he will love you 100%. Because that's his nature. He loves all the way, all the time. His love is unchanging. His love is unchanging. And today there is just an invitation to encounter his love. And so we're going to turn it over to the team. But Holy Spirit, you are here. And we welcome your love to fill this space. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.